Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Is oh. Not my <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. I used to hate when you go to work in the dark and then you'd come home in the dark as a principal. Yeah. Ugh. No, thank you. No, thank you. All right. Let me get to my notes. All right, here we go. Whew, so much. I wrote so much. Hopefully I can keep up with all you all today. All right, everybody. Well, welcome. Here we go. We are in session three. What great principals do differently. I'm Tom Miller. If you haven't been on a live session before, welcome. Thanks for investing this time. Thanks for investing in yourself. I hope you're enjoying the book and the book study. Um, I, I love, I really, this, this three chapters really hit me how important it is to have effective self-leadership in order to improve your school, right? And uh, it's so important that, you know, we as educators, and uh, I'm going to say this, and I might get, you know, some people upset, but it's not meant to get anybody upset. We tend to take the free way, right? Like, hey, what's the lowest cost, right? Or what, you know, can we get? Because in education, it's always kind of like a, you know, like a poverty mindset. Well, there's never any money. There's never any money. And even as like, you know, teachers, they're always, you know, buying their own stuff or they're trying to repiece everything of, you know, they got, you know, nine like miles of tape on a book to like, you know, like get it to work because that's just like the mindset that we're in. And I just remember this school that I just, you know, took over had a quarter of a million dollars at the end of the year in surplus. And all the teachers talked about is that there was no money last year for anything. And I was like, well, what do you mean there's no money? I don't know. I just did, I just did the budget. It was a quarter of a million dollars. So did you ask? <laughs> and that's always the hard part, right? Sometimes they just don't ask because they've either been kind of beaten down in the sense that, no, 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 we don't have anything. We don't have anything. So there was a leader who had reached out, you know, uh, to me, he said, you know, I really want to get some time on a call, but I just, I just don't, I just want to make sure that I spend every dollar the right way. I totally get that. Uh, but here's the thing. If you, as the organizational leader, don't invest in yourself and continue to improve yourself in your professional development, the organization is not going to get any better. Because remember, you are the lid, right, on the organization's overall success. If you're the key decision maker and a strategist and, you know, doing all those things, if you're not investing in you, then you can't make everybody else better. So just be conscious of that, right? You all are, um, you know, whether you're a charter school leader, a, a private school leader, or a, a district school leader, it doesn't matter. You're the leader of a multi-million dollar enterprise. You're a CEO. 
you're not a principal. You're doing so many things now, human resources, marketing, emotional support, professional development, right? You got to lead up to your central office or to your board or whatever. You got to lead down. You got to lead across. You got to build partnerships in the community. You're way more than an instructional leader. So treat yourself like that, right? Make sure that you have vacation where Dr. Williams is. Let's go hang out where Sean is. I don't, I don't know, Sean, are you in Hawaii? Where are you right now with this, with this you know, beautiful landscape you got? I, I want a vacation with you. That's K-Bay, Kanoi Bay, Hawaii. All right, well, awesome. Well, I love you, the location of your school, my friend. I can't <laughs> wait to come and visit. It's my, so it's anyway, my I so want to go back today. Yeah. So this, so this, these particular chapters, and I think they're all good what, you know, Whitaker wrote, but it made me really, you know, looking at um, treating, treating others as a 10, treating others as a 10, right? Every time, every opportunity, uh, teaching the teachers and being the filter is all about self-leadership. If you can't lead yourself effectively, you're going to have a really challenging time in leading your organization effectively. That's just, that's just, and, and I say that because I was terrible at it <laughs> and my results showed, right? When I was, you know, when I uh, was an earlier uh, principal that I had poor self-leadership, poor character and poor being the filter. I thought I was teaching the uh, teachers, but really I was faking it most of the time. Uh, but that was 12 years ago, and I've learned a lot since then. Right, Sean? I'm getting a little bit better every day. Not great. So I would love to know, uh, before we start, what are some wins for the week? Who's got a win that they would like to share? Uh, we had the ice cream truck come to our house, if you got the email last night, which was pretty cool and pretty funny. I was laughing about it. Uh, who, who had a good win from... Uh, either leading by walking around or just something else that they've learned in the book or just something that they've raised their awareness on. I'll open up the mic for you. I, I think, and I, I consider it a win, but it's something I try to do, but even in reflecting in the book about praise um, and giving praise today, uh, I, not only do I do it to my teachers, but to the kids and uh, to see one of my fifth graders today just start smiling when I was praising him for doing the right thing and being a leader. It was a, an amazing look on his face. And then another teacher said, why are you looking like that? And he said, what is a leader? <laughs> and uh, at that point, the light bulb went off that even though I was saying, thank you for being a leader, he didn't have a clue, but he was smiling because I stopped to talk to him. So, um, but it was a good aha moment. Uh, for the kid and for me. And, and I consider that a win. He left very happy. I love it. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and um, whether or not, if you don't have a, a, a definition of what a leader is in your school, that's a great place to start when you're working through your values and having you know, clarity in what a leader does, and what a leader does not. Um, and that, because we just assume, right, that's assumptive you know, communication is we just assume what, you know, but I could guarantee you if you asked everybody on your staff what a leader is, you'll probably get 15 to 20 different answers, 
right? So getting, you know, clarity on how we will behave and what we agree uh, are good qualities of a leader. So that's great, Dr. Williams. Uh, Vanessa said today was a PD day for us. All the sessions were led by our own soccer team staff. And she said it was the best and most well-received PD in her four years at Socrates, a great example in chapter seven. Yeah, that's right, great job. That's really well done to put them out in front, right? And to give them an opportunity to be the voice, that's, that's a great way to build capacity. Uh, during our inner circle today, we have our um, empowered executives inner circle and it's small groups of masterminds of uh, principles. That was another part that we talked about, you know, building capacity. And I said, look, just every time you're about to put out a fire or every time you're about to go do something, right, whether it's, I don't know, you know, something that takes a little bit more of your time that you can teach someone else how to do, grab them, say, hey, drop what you're doing. I want to show you something and just, you know, do it while they're with you and, uh, you know, and say, hey, I see you doing this one day. This would be great. The next time that you see this as a problem, can you handle it for me? This is how I would like it you know, to be handled. And maybe you do that two or three times and then you let them, you know, start to do it themselves, right? If you want to multiply your leadership, the first step is to, you know, um, model it for somebody. Step two is to, uh, you do it as a team. Step three is they do it and you coach them. Step four is they do it alone. And step five is they go teach someone else, right? That's the multiplication of leadership. So every task that you do on a daily basis that takes you away from what you're required to do, you need to start to find other people in your organization who can do that for you. Or as Dr. Williams will tell you, I will say, just don't do it at all. And in three weeks, you'll find out whether or not it's important because you'll either get a letter from your central officer or the district or whoever will say, uh, has anybody paid that, you know, oh, we should probably do that. Okay, obviously we should have probably done that. Martha Craig said that we're doing March Madness Challenge in teams. We also got some special things for St. Patrick's Day. You had Dr. Whitaker and his wife, Beth, for classes. Oh, wow. Where is Martha? Well, that's really cool. So they were, they were, your, they were your college professors, or where did they teach at? That's really cool. That'd be neat to learn. I got to see him live. He spoke at the Fresh Take Conference. I think it was like in 2019. It was pretty neat to see. When I was working on my principal's license, um, uh, his wife's a doctor too and they both uh, we had to go up once a mm -hmm. month on Saturdays and he taught um, school law oh oh really boy yeah I, I bet he made that very dry area very fun because I bet he had a lot of really good stories it was actually sure didn't he cool hey Martha someone wants to know about your March Madness challenge can you can you share a little bit about that I divided the whole staff up, including the janitors, cafeteria staff, everybody, into uh, teams of two, and they had to come up with the name of their team, and then I sent a scavenger hunt out to, to them, and then they had different challenges. They had to send me a picture of it. It ends this Friday because we're on spring break next week, and then the winner will be announced when we come back on that Monday, March 30th. Yeah, way to take advantage of, of the times and always great to get your people just doing something a little bit different, right? Getting them talking, getting them moving, getting them collaborating. I love it. All right, well, let's get started today. So here's a note I wrote to myself. If you desire to know who you are, take a look at who your friends are. 
if you desire if you desire what you could become take a look at your leader two huge points right you will be the average of the five people that you spend the most time with and obviously we've already talked about that if your leader isn't very strong and you spend a lot of time with them you too will probably have a difficult time overcoming their leadership lid so real real critical parts here if you find yourself capped right you find yourself capped by your organizational leader then you have to make a decision you can only lead up so much because your head's going to be bruised otherwise but if you are the organizational leader you have to remember that every single day you are growing your leadership leadership evolves daily not in one day and so this chapter five about treating everyone with respect every day, all the time, 10 days out of 10, I love this, this piece, effective teachers choose every student to be their favorite. And along some vein, effective principals can improve school climate by increasing positive interactions with staff members, especially through praise. And we took, we took some time last week talking about praise uh, statements. So I happened to write this note, Last week, I was able to participate in the uh, John Maxwell Conference, uh, which is just an incredible, you know, leadership, uh, you know, opportunity that I've had. This is my 11th time that I've attended it. Uh, but one of the things he said, he said, we see others as we see ourselves. If we don't, if I don't value me, I cannot value you. So what might that look like? We see others as we see ourselves. If I don't value me, I, can't, I cannot value you. What, what might be the unintended consequences of those two lines? What is John trying to share, do you think? If I don't value me, I cannot value you. I think simply, if I don't value who I am as a person and feel good about me, I'm bleeding or I am pouring my dislike on someone else. Yeah. Hurt people do what? Hurt people hurt people. That's right. Hurt people hurt other people. And so one of the keys here, uh, I'm working in a couple of organizations, and a couple of them have some really difficult people in them. I have the best I have the best relationships with the difficult people, and it's really I feel honestly because I just I just Eddie Haskell them. I just you know if anybody watched Leave It to uh, Beaver, most of you are too young to probably know what that is, but you could I, I'm not even sure what show it would be on now, but you could probably track it. But the neighbor, right? He was so hey hey uh, Mrs. Cleaver, you know just that, and I just you know difficult people don't bother me because I just learned that they they have really valid points they don't always say it in the nicest way but if you can read between their you know challenge tone and body language they're they're really bright because they are so critical <laughs> that they give you some really good information right but sometimes if we can't accept that right if we if we have a little bit of our own kind of chip on our shoulder which i did at one time for sure uh, it gets it gets really hard, and I've just watched this happen in a couple of organizations lately. Just, just you know, it seems easy to just 
you know, talk down. It just seems that much easier to, um, you know, badmouth that one really difficult parent or just, you know, badmouth that one difficult staff member. But the most amazing thing when Todd talks about this, right, I would have never realized, but you never see, I've never seen, maybe you have, I've never seen really effective, strong, cultural teachers badmouth other teachers. Has anybody ever seen that or witnessed that or heard that before? Like someone who's just an amazing organizational leader, a good 360 leader, just talk bad about somebody? Anybody? But what I didn't realize is that when the, when the principal badmouths somebody in front of the really effective teacher to try to like, I don't know, build some reciprocity or relation or whatever we would do that, we're actually hurting ourselves as the principal. We're not gaining any relation with the really effective teacher because we're actually losing credibility with that person. Oh, I didn't think you would treat somebody like that, right? Any thoughts on that? Hey, Tom, I can give you a really uh, pertinent example. I had a, um, so what, Tuesday was ACT day last week in Ohio, where all 11th graders took the ACT. And my new um, assistant principal planned it. And one of my teachers, um, two of them actually, were turning in their supplies. And when they walked away, they um, made some really disparaging comments about the organization. Um, right in front of my office. <laughs> So I pulled them right into my office at that moment and had a pretty good conversation with them about appropriateness. And if you feel like that this could have been handled better, then go and talk to her specifically. I said, but the two of you consider yourselves leaders, teacher leaders in the building. And if you're going to walk around and be negative and communicate in that manner, how is that going to help us change anything? Um, and so about two days later, the one who is probably the biggest agitator, um, did come back to me and apologize. And, um, we had a really good conversation in general about just sort of the things that you were just talking about, you know, attitude, being positive, um, and you know suggesting that you go talk to now to the assistant principal and give her your suggestions about how you think it could be run better or more effectively yeah and so i thought that went well i mean i listened yeah. to him i listened to what he had to say um and then i asked him to use his voice in a positive manner i love it I have a good example yeah. at the beginning of the year, just because of all that we faced uh, opening school in the middle of a pandemic. We have been face to face since August after the shutdown last spring. And um, we had several teachers, the way our school set it up is we had several teachers that were required to teach virtual only. And so um, we didn't have enough teachers to volunteer to where I had to make some 
decisions about who would teach virtually and who would remain on site. And those were some hard conversations because teachers in my building love kids and they wanted to be face to face with kids uh, despite those challenges. But um, we were hearing just some, and my AP is on here with me so she can vouch for this, but um, <clears throat> at our back to school PD, and you just feel this, and it's stress. Teachers are so hard on themselves, I think, most of the time. And when they are stressed and these little grumblings start, and we have a great building, we have an incredible culture. I can't brag enough on my teachers for trying to be positive. And so we had a conversation. I did a little activity at our back to school PD about um, <clears throat> someone had given a, a sticky note with a positive. And I said, Who, just, I want you to just think about it for a minute. If someone were to to, we, we, we listed three things that someone had said that built you up, three things that someone had said that brought you down, and then three things that you had done to maybe build someone else up. And they put these on sticky notes. And uh, then we talked about it and I said, if you think about it at the end of the day, which sticky note do you wanna be on? Which sticky note are you hoping your name is on? Are you the one that's brought someone down? because of all, we're all dealing with mess. We're all dealing with change. We're all dealing with stress. So is your name gonna be on someone's sticky note for something negative? Or is it gonna be that you built someone up today? And we did talk about the difference in um, toxic positivity, like just everything's great and I'm just gonna pretend like everything's great and that's not the reality. Um, but I said, come over those conversations with me, vent to me, unload on me, and maybe we can brainstorm of how we can make that better. But don't be that person who's going to be, uh, you know, on that sticky note where you're bringing somebody down. And I feel like it was very effective. And we felt a change in our building right then. Like, we're going to do this and we've got this. Uh, and it was a different mindset. So I felt like that was um, something that they, they were able to lead the school year with in such a challenge, you know. I love it. Thank you for the example, Tammy and uh, Robin as well. Great, you know, great examples of you know leaning in, right? It's uh, it takes courage to do it, and that's the key. Uh, you got to do the hard things. If if you want if you want a hard life, just you know do the easy things. If you want an easy life, do the hard things. And 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 you just really made me think about you know Tammy. Uh, one of John Maxwell's you know laws of leadership is law of sacrifice, and the higher you go up right the less kind of like you know freedom you have and one of those major freedoms that you lose is the right to complain down you never have a right to complain down we just we just can't because number one like why should we right i mean yeah our job is hard and there's lots of things to do but like the I, last thing i want to do is to dump all that on some you know teacher right who's got you know 25 to 30 kids who's maybe teaching hybrid and then look, you know, all these things that are happening. And here I am, you know, uh, complaining about a parent for what to like gain some affirmation. No, not worth it at all. And I love Todd just continues to talk about, you know, being the model. And when you complain down, you lose, you lose credibility. You might get a cheap laugh, but that's all it is. You are losing, you know, you are losing respect. And Alan Malale, who uh, turned around Ford, talks about that a lot. He's the one that I really started to build off that, you know, joyful accountability conversation that a lot of you were in our uh, dealing with difficult uh, people uh, workshop in, but he, he doesn't allow laughing or joking or sarcasm in the organization at anybody else's expense. 
He said, because every time that that occurs, someone in the room is less likely to ever put themselves out there. And he's like, you're losing, you're losing people when you allow that type of behavior, you know, to happen. And, um, you know, that's, that's why the top organizations are the top organizations because <laughs> they hold people to those very true high values and virtues. And, you know, for the rest of the organizations, it's just easier not to have to fight that constant battle um, and, and to truly be, uh, give authentic praise and uh, specific praise. So anybody else want to address anything from chapter five about treating everyone with respect? I would love to hear or to put in the chat box, what was your definition of respect? I was really trying to get to that. Like, what would that, for me, it looks like being an active listener, um, you know, seeing me as, you know, someone who they can, you know, trust and contribute to the conversation, someone who follows through with their commitments through their actions. Um, and this other part here, uh, I wrote down, this is from the John Maxwell Conference too, surrendering the desire to be right is a prerequisite to getting it right as an organization, right? So I think people who are respectful don't always have to be right. And it doesn't always have to be their way. They just want to get it right in the end as, as an organization. So anybody else have any other thoughts on the definition of respect? When I think about respect, I wrote down, um, thinking about how I show other people respect, I put value. It's important to me, like, I, I will never respect someone if I don't value them. And so valuing their efforts, their talents, and their differences, you must be able to value the differences in other people and show respect that you understand that there are differences between you, but those differences are things that we can learn from and grow from. And so to me, when we talk about respect, I think it's important that we talk about value. I love it. Thanks, Lindsay. I really love that. Actually, Lindsay, value is right. right. Mine was right along with yours. It was um, seeing, uh, seeing me as valuable. And then it will be the same for what I see for other people, which is, you know, what I have to say, how I feel, who I am is valuable. And that's how you, that's how you show me respect. Yeah. And that's why I aim this, you know, you know, Facebook group, you know, to be like everything we do, we are a people of value, adding value to other people. And that's, that's it. Everybody's opinion's okay. And it is what it is. It's different at everybody's school. And, uh, but if you don't value people, as Lindsay said, you, you won't, you won't respect them. And as soon as you lose that 10 on their head, um, it's going to be hard to lead them, you know, because you're just going to treat them differently. Uh, Sean Williams, Dr. Sean Williams, he wrote, respect is being able to carry the water and treat uh, people to the utmost care and let them know that you care because uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, Tammy said, respect equals a kind tone, honesty, and transparency, showing genuine caring. Amanda wrote, someone you can talk to no matter if you're right or wrong. You value each other's options and opinions. I love it. Thank you. And Polly wrote, respect is treating individuals as individuals, letting them know you care about them as a person and being genuine. And Mary Majors wrote, respect takes a positive approach, dignity, acting professionally. When someone slips through, you don't laugh or make fun. Like the mean kids did in the lunchroom. The principal treats anyone like that, sets a negative tone in culture. You're right. You're right. And that's, um, 
that's a that's a maturity thing. I just remember I can't remember where I learned it from, but you know, maturity is not getting older. Maturity is acceptance of responsibility. And that's a big part of learning in a respect, you know, learning how to to have respect um, is a big part of that. Your actions speak so loudly I can't hear the words you're saying. I wrote myself a note here. Uh, so there's some examples here, some, you know, call to action, you know, re uh, reflect on a time that you lost your temper or your patience with a student or a, a teacher. How did you react? And I, oh my gosh, I, in our master communication class, I just actually recorded this. Um, there was a young man who, it was pretty much a, a white, you know, rural community, but we had a very small population of African-Americans. And this white young man wrote this really awful letter um, to one of our male uh, black students, and he he threw it out, but someone saw it and he brought it to me as the you know principal, and I went back at this thirteen or kid was probably thirteen or fourteen, and I just let him have it in front of the giant courtyard, and I probably should have lost my job. I mean honestly, if I could videotape or watch myself, um, no one should have ever followed me after that. The boy was ignorant. And but he just didn't know, he didn't understand, and I let him have it. And um, it was probably one of the more embarrassing moments that I had as a leader, but nobody held me accountable for it. And it wasn't until I got older and realized, God, that was that was bad. I didn't help that young man at all. I just let my own emotions and frustrations um, let out, right? And so, um, hopefully, right, we don't have many of those moments in our life. Uh, but if you do have them, and if you have the chance, track the student down, track the person down, and let them know uh, that you think differently now. Uh, and that's a key part of it. So, all right, let's go to be the filter. Oh, my goodness. Is this important to be the filter? <laughs> what were some of your thoughts on this uh, chapter six here? Well, I How think the it goes back respond? to that. Oh, yeah, go for it. Just that saying that's out there that I determined even as a teacher, I set the tone. Like I set the tone for the classroom. It's an anonymous, I think, quote that I've put up in my classroom even 20 years ago when I was a teacher about I set the tone and so how I treat uh, students at that time and now in this role how I teach how I treat my students and my uh, faculty will set the tone I can make someone better or I can bring them down um, and if, if I expect teachers to treat students a certain way then I have to, to do the same I, I, they're they're going to um, mimic and model what I do in my building really positively or negative if I allow that negative um, talk or or negative tone um, then they're gonna think that that's okay that's right because it's really hard to improve, right? It's, it's hard to improve when you only have your own actions, right? Or the actions by the people around you who might be you know, similar to actually learn from. So if we don't have effective modeling, 
especially from the top of the organization, all that just, you know, trickles down and down and down. It just, you know, cascades negativity and toxicity throughout every hallway and every uh, classroom because it becomes okay to, to share that negative information, uh, you know, whatever it may be. It's very, you know, similar to what we just talked from the respect angle. Hey, Good. Sean, you were going to say something? No? Okay. I thought someone was going to hop in there. Um, so what, what response this, you know, and obviously if the person's in the room, don't share names, right? But when you were a teacher, what response did you cringe at from your principal? And I was really actually thinking about as much as, the school leader that I, my first seven years as a teacher, uh, we did not have the best relationship, but I followed her to multiple schools, which is interesting. And I thought about when I was a principal that I think I acted just like her. I'm sure there's a lot of things that I did, the same thing she did. So she used to talk about, you know, bonuses, um, right? It was like, oh, don't you want that, you know, student achievement bonus? And, she, you know, she was always trying to like, dangle carrots at us or I used to cringe when she said it was time for you know staff meetings right because I, I just didn't find them valuable and I wanted to really think I wanted to reach out to my old staff and say hey how is it different did 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 you enjoy our you know staff meetings did we ever get anything done and they probably cringed at my constant need for urgency or my my inconsistency in terms of like where we were going and how we were going you know to get there or maybe my lack of, uh, uh, you know, being prepared for those uh, pieces, right? Because our because our people see our our uh, blind spots, right? They know what our areas for growth are, and so it's always it was interesting, you know, to me to really think about, you know, how how did people see me in terms of whether I filtered information effectively or not, or whether I communicated information uh, that was even important, you know, to them. So I don't know if anybody had any thoughts around, could you think about the leaders that you led with or under or were led by? What did you cringe at when they used to say it out loud? Nobody has any examples? No, but it makes me wonder what makes my teachers cringe. I'd like to ask them. <laughs> add that to my end of the year even. I'll add a question. What do I do that makes you cringe? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, it kind of goes back to that question, Tammy, like, what's it like to be led by me? Right. What's it like to be on the other you know, side of the table? And, you know, now, you know, looking back at it 20 years later and I have a relationship with that, you know, principal now, like I'd like to tell her, it's like, you know, I didn't give you a shot. Right. Or there was some things that you did that probably nobody actually told you that I didn't have the courage to tell you <laughs> because I was bad mouthing you the whole time right in the corner. But I do remember hearing that um, we had this amazing front office uh, secretary, uh, um, 
she was there forever at that school. And I, I recall her sharing with me how many times she had to kind of like take that leader and be like, no, you can't say these things out loud. And the one example was where the principal, she wanted to read aloud all of the uh, teacher's responses to a survey, just like what, you know, Tammy was sharing. No, it was the office referrals. She was going to read aloud the office referrals and talk about how ridiculous they were and that they shouldn't come in front of the whole staff. And this front office administrator, you know, said, I don't think you should do that. And here's why. And I just remember really thinking about that lady had amazing courage, like to tell her. And I think that's a big part of like leading up when I do our uh, teacher leader academies, like we, we have to be okay with letting our principals know if we truly want to lead up and help them. But this is what, you know, this is where I cringe. <laughs> Don't say these things or you shouldn't do that. Right. Or when that great uh, teacher could say, yeah, you probably shouldn't talk about someone negative like that. Or, hey, what are you going to do about it? Right. Instead of falling in and leaning into the negativity. And that's a big part, uh, you know, of this because our job can be isolating and we don't always know how uh, people feel. And if we don't surround ourselves with uh, people who are going to tell us the truth when we need to hear the truth, um, one day we're going to get hit by the two by four. And you guys might not be able to see, but I have a giant scar right here where I was not listening to the two by four. Uh, and so you can be guided by the feather or you can be guided by the two by four. So surround yourself with the people who will guide you by a feather and tell you, uh, hey, when you said that out loud, I'm not really sure what your intent was, but here's how it was, it was uh, perceived. Um, or I think you could have done a better job with that information or, um, and you know, I think the last year would be a great example. There's probably so many times we wish we would have communicated things you know, differently during you know, COVID or probably not been the filter when we, when we could have been a better one, but this is how we learn. This is how we learn. All right, so let's talk about teaching the teachers because this is by far maybe the most important part of your job, teaching teachers. I think I'm on the right page, 10, 9, where's page 11? There it is, 11. I want to make sure I hit all my notes here on that last section I missed a page, which determine. Yeah, oh, one of the things I want to yeah, go back real quick about, you know, being the filter. Um, where your focus goes your your energy flows right so it's really it's really important um to make sure that you are focusing on the right things as an organizational leader it's very easy to get stuck in the minutiae of all the decisions and all of just the uh, you know a trivial things that sometimes we get pulled into but if that's where your focus is going, it's going to be away from what's probably most important, especially at this time of the year, the last 90 days, almost, you know, maybe 100 days of the total school calendar year. Building relationships, being respectful, you know, building buy-in for the future, um, really, really building and solidifying relationships in your relationship compass 
um, because, you know, a lot of people at this point of the year, um, I think the organizations that are going to win out of COVID are the ones that have built the best relationships during that time. And so there's so many people looking for jobs and opportunities and the grass is always greener, they think. And if you're not really paying attention and focusing in on especially your top 20% of your people, like you might need to go there and really make sure that you're painting a, a clear picture for the future of your organization with them inside of it. Because I want security. Right. I want to feel good about what what I'm doing. Okay. Hey Tom, can I ask a quick question? Yep. So on on the question um, that asks what factors determine whether the teachers at a school work to please the principal or work against him or her. Mm -hmm. And so I so I am an, a nurturer by nature. Um, the words of affirmation are easy for me. Um, the building up is easy for me. That comes naturally for me. That's just my personality. I want people to know uh, good things that I value them, appreciate them. So those things are fairly easy for me. I don't have to work too hard. But there was a, um, and I've had to work really hard as an administrator for those difficult conversations that don't come quite as naturally for me. But there was a quote that I found one time and I, I hang on to this and it says, nothing will kill a great employee faster than watching you tolerate a bad one. And I think all of us probably have to take into consideration our strong points and those things that we are good at. Um, so for me, when I got to that question, um, not that I would ever be disrespectful or rude or hateful like the things we've been talking about and how I deal with that, but allowing a, a, a bad employee to um, continue to do things that do jeopardize the culture in my school and I don't address it, I feel like that is going to, um, you know, that my top 20%, I feel like they're gonna lose respect for me if I'm not addressing those things that they're working so hard to not do. Um, so I just wanted to ask maybe the group, when you think about your strengths and weaknesses, do you have any, um, you know, what, what's the hard part of that for you? It's not that I care about everybody always liking me or that sort of thing, but I do want to empower my best teachers. Um, so just, just yep. wondered what other people's thoughts were about that. Yeah, go for it. The group's open. Tell your really good, important question. Well, obviously I'm at the same school as Tammy and she does a great job with those hard conversations and she really does, but I think it's the how. Um, when I read that, it's how you treat them. I think the top 20%, they do want her to address any issues that are going on, but it's how they do that, how she does that. You know, when she calls them in and we, you know, talk behind closed doors and keep things private and then no one mentions it outside of that, that's treating someone with respect and professionally. And you can have those hard conversations. Now, if she got up at a staff meeting and called, you know, a person out, then that would go differently. That's kind of like that, you know, the 24 people in the 25, I think I read in one of the chapters about they're looking to see how you treat number 25 and so um, I think that the top 20% in our school definitely would want her to address it it's just the how that that was addressed and she's been doing a good job if I must say so thank you Lindsay that was also a question that I really couldn't answer I mean after reading the chapter 
what factors determine whether the teachers work to please the principal or work against you? What are those factors? Yeah, so for me, leadership is influence, right? So if I don't buy into the leader, I'm going to only do the minimum requirement to move the organization forward. And I remember uh, when I was first hired as a middle school director, um, after the first four months, you know, we had, we had a, uh, let's just call it a reduction in force. It really wasn't that, but let's just say that. And so what had happened was I started to recruit staff and then we still had this other group of people, right? We had the people who were left over. And what I didn't realize over three years, this is amazing, that they had given themselves nicknames. There were the Tomcats and the Boxcars. And the Tomcats were everybody that I recruited. And the Boxcars were the individuals that were just waiting for Tom to come to their uh, class at the end of the school year and say, pack your box. Now, I was in charge of this tiny middle school. I knew nothing about that until five years after I left. But it made a lot of sense, you know, because my first two years, I spent the majority of time trying to uh, take my initiatives and my vision and move the organization forward. And uh, it was very um, contrived, right? Contrived as in, um, uh, you know, this was the framework, go do your PLCs. Right? There, there was no collaboration. There was no healthy conflict conversations. It, nobody would participate during staff meetings. And I had no idea why. I, I really didn't know. And then in my third year, I got to travel the state of North Carolina to, uh, 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 and that's where I did my dissertation. And I met these amazing leaders and the common thread in everybody's you know, school that built this amazing culture was relationships. So when I, I could tell that my staff was very, um, they were very anxious and filled with anxiety about what I was going to bring back, right? Because here's Tom, who's this big picture guy who every week would have a different idea of what we should do. Now he's just, you know, traveled the state and he's going to bring back all these, you know, changes. And I said, we're only going to have one initiative, everybody this year, and that's relationships. And we're going to work to build relationships adult to adult, internally, adult to adult, externally, kid to kid. And it was amazing that within 90 days, every initiative that I had knocked my head against the wall to try to put forth just started to organically happen. And I attribute to back to, you know, Tammy's question was because for the first time, I got off of my agenda and I got on the agenda of everybody who was in our organization and started to treat them as individuals and validate their talents and empower them to be leaders in parts of these initiatives. Just, you know, through a, a, um, a vision that we, you know, created as a staff. And I'll never forget one of the initiatives that we had put forth was this you know, point system, because we got tired of these five things, telling kids to tuck their shirts in, picking up trash, kids not that prepared uh, for class, 
telling kids to get in line and uh, walk this line, right? And so we had this whole, you know, system put up and it was, it was working pretty well. And I showed up to a staff meeting and the staff was very in a heated conversation. And I said, whoa, what is going on? And they said, the sixth grade is giving too many points for picking up trash. And we think we need to like make sure there's a clear rubric to how many points that we give. And I just kind of took a step back and I was like, oh my gosh, we finally did it. After three years, like now they're actually having conversations to improve everything, not just about, you know, other aspects. And it wasn't Tom. So I think going back uh, to the question, I think that's a key factor, whether teachers at the school work to please the principal or to work against them, is their ability to build influence with all the people, not just positional leadership, it's permission leadership. It's the second step. It's like, I have gained your permission, Lindsay, right? Lindsay might be told, I don't know, Lindsay might be told to be show up here every Monday and fourth day. I have no idea. But the fact that she keeps coming, I assume I'm gaining her permission now, right? She's like, okay, it's not that bad. Like I'm learning something, right? I'm slowly building influence with Lindsay and a relationship, right? And Robin and Tammy and Amanda and you know, Grace, like all these you know, people. But when you first come into a room, you're in a different level of influence with everybody in that room. And it's your ability to, to um, again, get off your own agenda, create common ground, and, and really lead somebody, uh, I think those are really key uh, factors, whether teachers at the school work to please the principal, right? And when I say please the principal, it's like, hey, I will follow you anywhere. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. Compared to the people who are like, nah, like they don't have influence over me. They have positional leadership over me. And my union rep says I don't have to do it or I'm not working past this point, or whatever it might be, they will find a way to work against. And that boxcar Tomcats scenario, like I look back at it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the boxcars were so influential, but I didn't know. But every new staff member who came, they immediately said, oh, we've got a seat, we've got a seat, right? Come." come sit at our table on the first day. And I didn't understand any of that. They were building an army on one side of the you know, school. Um, and, I, and I had to fight that. But again, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that leadership was influence at the time. Um, so I think that's a long-winded answer to, to, to your question. Does that make sense, everybody? Can you all see that maybe in your own entities? So the notes that I wrote down were relationships of respect, buying into the leader, your level of influence, trust in the past, you know, that credibility that you've earned with that person, right? Because even with the difficult people that I lead now that other leaders in the organization have a hard time with, it's really because I've heard them and I've helped them like what, you know, whatever they needed, you know, one of them needed a parking space. So, so I got them a parking spot. One of them needed something, so I, I just did it. I just, I heard what they were complaining about. I said, oh, you know, I've got a parking spot. Why don't you just take my parking pass and we'll just switch. It was like I gave them like cotton candy, you know, at like the circus. They were so excited about it and it wasn't that hard. So, you know, when you build influence and you build credibility with somebody, it's easier. 
I think Tammy's question goes a little bit back to like, there's a difference between leading people and pleasing people, right? And it's hard. You can't please everybody if you're going to lead them. Not everybody's going to be happy with every decision you make, right? And that's where your you know, definition of leadership and your integrity and leadership comes in to play. And, um, and there's, you know, definitely uh, a bottom line to that. Any other thoughts around that one? That was a really good follow-up question, Tammy, and thanks for stopping me because I missed that one. And I've got some, um, I'll make a note for it. There's in John's book called Leadership, there's actually a chapter called um, moving from pleasing people to leading people. I'll, I'll download that resource that I did a lesson on it and I'll make sure that I share it out. But Leadership is probably one of the best books of John's that I would say aligns to education really well because it's about those, you know, it's that transformation that a leader has to make through their, through their you know, career. Um, like one great example is, uh, you know, being a ladder climber, right? Which a lot of us might have been in our career. So we're just trying to build our own ladders by going to as many trainings and doing, you know, just, just like equipping us to becoming a ladder builder, which is what chapter six is about, or seven is about, about teach the teachers. And it's about learning how to build the ladders and opportunities for other people and not just climbing my own professional ladder, um, which was a huge mistake I made in my early leadership days, really just, you know, focusing on me and assuming that everybody wanted to learn what I learned and everybody read as much as I did and everybody went to every training like I did, right? So raise your hand if you've maybe been, you know, guilty of that assumptive leadership uh, you know, style that everybody is as hungry as you and uh, wants to read everything that you do and do all those pieces. But So one of the things that I hear most often about teaching the teachers is there's never enough time, right? I don't have enough time. And so I just always, you know, challenge leaders about, well, what's the main way to improve your school? Like if you want your, you know, if you want your students to learn more, if you want, uh, you know, to increase your student retention and teacher re retention, and if you want to, you know, have to lead less, right? If you want to create a non-leader dependent organization, right? And this is an organization where <laughs> your teachers and your staff are able to make decisions without coming to you for everything, right? They're able to handle problems. They're able to build systems, right? If you want that, you have to focus 60 to 80% of your day leading adults, right? Teaching adults how to lead other adults. But because many principals find themselves in the fire throughout the day and addressing paperwork, whether it's through their district or through state requirement, one area that I see that gets ignored most often is providing quality professional development 
for the teachers. I think it's your number one job as a principal. Now, one mistake that I've made is trying to be that trainer and equipper for everything. And so if you've been on some of our other sessions, I've talked about the horror stories of me trying to teach, teach like a champion, when I never taught like a champion. You can't take people where you've never been, everybody. You can't do it. I tried, and I was really bad at it. It wasn't until I actually practiced it a lot and had to substitute in some classrooms where I could actually practice some of the teach like a the champion, um, uh, uh, you know, practices where I became better at it. And now there's a few on, I could probably fill one hand with them, where I feel really confident in uh, teaching other teachers how to do some of those. So there's two things that are important there. One is understanding what my strengths are. Every principal needs to know, everybody in your, in your organization needs to know what their strengths are and what they're good at. And anything that's not in your strength zone, no matter how much you love it, you need to go find someone else to teach that, right? So I do not teach a lot of um, time management. I have some lessons on time management. I have some theories around time management. But you know what I'm not really great at, Tammy? Time management you don't really want me being your time management coach because I do not live it. I live it as best as I can at this point. I'm trying to get better at it every day. But you may want me to help you teach, you know, strategy or what good instructional uh, management is or classroom management or like interventions or be creative because those are my strengths. I'm really great at influence. I'm really great at creativity. I'm great at persistence. I'm not very good at details. And I know that. And that come up on our disc. Some of you have maybe taken our disc uh, personality profile. And there's a whole strengths section there. So I think that's the first thing when I think about this teach to teacher piece is I want to have to make sure that I build time in it in my calendar, daily calendar as a principal, monthly calendar as a staff, quarterly calendar as a staff to make sure that I am building capacity in the adults in the building. And then the other piece that I'm paying really close attention to is based upon the data or the feedback, where do my adults need to improve? And am I the person, despite my giant ego that I have, and I have a giant ego, everybody, uh, should I be the person who teaches them? Or do I go, hey, Lindsay, you're really great at, Lindsay, what are you great at? What's your wheelhouse? Technology. Technology. Lindsay, you are so good at technology. Can you lead a series of sessions for my team on technology? Because you're the expert, and I trust you, and I believe in you, and I think they're, they're going to learn so much more from you than they will from me. And then Robin. What's your wheelhouse? Relationships. Oh, all right. All right. Well, Robin, I think I'm pretty good at relationships, but I've seen you work around people, and I think, I think that my folks are going to listen to you more than they're going to listen to me. Would you come to my relationship, right? So you're finding experts in your networks, 
And now that we're all virtual, everybody across the world, it doesn't matter. You don't need to pay anybody to come into your school. They can learn this way. And you can bring really great people to, to, to build capacity. And there's two uh, principles. You all should be uh, growing yourself in your strength zone, right? So I believe that 90 to 95% of your day needs to be in your strength zone. Because if you're procrastinating on something, or if something's taking way too much time that it should, it's probably not in your strength zone. So find someone around you who could fill that void for you. And some of that might be uh, in your own school, right? With your instructional leadership piece. If I were the head of a school again, curriculum is not my strength. Who has a strength in curriculum in here? Grace, Grace has a really strong curriculum. Tammy, right? So I'd be like, hey, Tammy, like, you're gonna be my curriculum specialist because I'm not gonna handle it. But I know what good instruction looks like, I know what it feels like, and I know the results that I want. But I just don't have a clue whether or not the teacher is actually teaching the right thing, which is really sad, everybody, except math. I know math. I can go into a math room and go, that looks bad. That's not right. There's no way that's the right answer. <laughs> In fact, last year I was supporting a school and bless this math uh, teacher's heart. That's what I'm going to say. They were so good at teaching it wrong. Every kid in the classroom told me I was wrong. And I had to go find another math teacher and I covered their room and I said, please go into that room and watch what's happening and tell me whether or not I'm crazy or not. And they came back and said, I don't know what that person is teaching. I said, okay, good. It's not me. So you've got to be confident in your skills, but also rely on your other people and know what you're good at. Like, it's okay. Um, yeah, that was really a, a fascinating um, experiment, a human, human experiment. So what did we learn from this teach the teachers piece? Well, what are some of your takeaways from the teach the teachers piece? What do you need to do, do you think, to improve at your school in teaching the teachers? Focus on my strengths and um pull people in to do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. I think that yeah, the more you empower you, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the more you empower those people who are good at those find their strengths as well and then empower them to um, lead in those areas then it, there's a lot of positives that come from that. I can't be the expert in everything. I can't there's no way. And so if I can rely on the experts, then I think that builds teacher leadership in your building as well for them to be able to take the lead on those things that they are good at. Yeah, you nailed it right there, Tammy um, and Robin. Uh, that We used to rotate the classrooms that we used to hold the weekly staff meeting in because my, my goal was to highlight that teacher's class and how they were using a part of their classroom effectively because we had a pretty you know structured and normed environment but if there were certain uh, teachers doing great things whether it was you know like you know lindsay with technology or the way that you know someone used their classroom i would ask them to start the you know staff meeting with that um yeah so what a great point a great way to build capacity use the talents of you know the classrooms and plus it's a great way for the teachers to gain influence and build relations with their peers and their colleagues because one day 
they're going to have to lead them, whether it's in a school improvement meeting, a content area meeting, a grade level meeting, or something that's happening in your school, or maybe they get promoted to, you know, assistant principal or coach or something. They need to be able to build that, that influence and relationships uh, uh, to get there. That's great. Who else has an watching example of what they learned? teachers is a good. good thing, too. If you let your teachers yes. go watch really high-quality lessons. I know um, the first year I was here, Bud gave me a link. I wish I could find that thing now to a thing that had really good, good lessons that were actually teachers teaching because we're so small. Hmm. I don't have enough classrooms for them to get a lot of different training unless I sent them to other schools. But um, that that's always a positive thing when they see one of their colleagues yep. doing a good job. I did my master's uh, thesis on a critical friends group, which is through the Annenberg Institute. And I ran some, and that's great. And the critical friends group is when you take three, like a pod of teachers, you got three of them. And so over a month's time, uh, in, in like a pair, you know, so let's say it's me, Robin, and uh, Mary. So uh, Mary and Robin will go observe me. Robin and I will go observe Mary. And then Mary and I will go observe Robin in that month time. And during that time, Mary and I are collaborating, watching Robin teach. And we're giving her feedback on what she asked us, you know, to do. And then, you know, uh, same thing. And so those three, those three uh, teachers get to see each other's classroom once, you know, in that month. And then uh, while they're doing it, there's two or three other pods of uh, critical friends groups happening. So by the end of the school year, we, every teacher was able to see, it was like 24, you know, 24 different classrooms, you know, the way we had uh, built it out. And I'm happy to, you know, send you guys some information on, on how it works, but you could probably just, you know, Google critical friends group and figure it out for your own, your own entity. Uh, but what a great opportunity to build collaboration and improve, you know, strategies uh, in, in your organization. So I'm going to end on two things. One, I want to hit Amanda's question. When does it become too much for a leader to, to uh, delegate responsibilities and help others be uh, too much for the person to handle? I love this question. So I'm going, to, I'm going to, as you're at the end of every day as a leader, I want you to look through the things you did today and say, what's something I did today that I won't do tomorrow, right? So there's something on your list that either you're going to completely stop doing or you're gonna teach someone else how to do it, right? Now, but Tom, my team is already overwhelmed and they're just, they can't handle another thing. You're right, Lindsay. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna say, hey, Tammy, you're really good at uh, details. I'm gonna take this you know, task over and you're gonna to start to do this. I'm gonna coach you through it over the next you know, 30 days, but 30 days from now, it's gonna be yours. And then Tammy, what I need you to do is I need you to look at your daily things that you're doing. What's one or two things on that list that we could maybe empower someone else to do, right? Or we can get you to stop doing it because maybe it's not that important. So Amanda, every day, your job is to work yourself out of a job, right? And be really focused. If you haven't watched that the lesson on uh, priorities and building your daily five, I'm pretty sure I put it in the um, in the what grade uh, principals do uh, differently uh, library, but 
like learning what, what are the five most important things I should be doing that are required of me on a daily basis. And anything that's not on that list, I need to start to like empower and delegate out and answer it with these three uh, questions. One, does this have to be done? And if the answer is no, stop doing it. And if you can't like, everything should fight for its life to get on your agenda. So you can't really think about how this task takes us to our goal, stop doing it. Again, in three weeks, you'll find out whether it was important or not. If the answer is yes, question number two is, does it have to be done by me, right? And if the answer is no, then who can do it, right? And you put a person's name who has that strength, right? Or who has the capacity or someone that you want to empower and then you, you make a plan to help coach and teach them how to do it over the next uh, 30 days. That question number two, does it have to be done by me? The only, answer, the only times it would be yes is if that means that no one in the organization Hello? can do it as, eight, as hey, 80% man. as well as you can. I'm going to say that again. The only way that that second question stays a yes and you do it is if there's no one in the organization who can do it at an 80% as well as you can, or there's no one that you can contract out, or there's no one that you can you know, find to do that. If it's like part of what is required of your work, what the organization gets the greatest return at when you do it, and it is in your reward zone, right? It fills your heart. Those are those three R's. Um, so that's how you would start to do it. Yeah, that's good, Amanda. That's how I would start, right? And every day you're gonna start building a stop doing list. It's maybe the most important list you'll ever create as a human being, my stop doing list. So here's my last point on the teach the teachers. I had this amazing, amazing teacher and we've been really great friends actually for um, like 15 years and he ended up working in our company for a while and he became a principal himself. But I still remember observing him when he was a math teacher and he was teaching this uh, student some, you know, concept that was an eighth grader. And I remember hearing him say, I don't know how to explain it to you in a different way. Right. And I was really frustrated with that comment. And I was frustrated with that comment, like, boy, how dare you say that to a poor, you know, 13 or 14 year old girl? Like, what would she feel, right? What would she feel? And then when I reread Whitaker's book over the weekend about the line about, you know, teachers won't try a different way to do it if they don't know how to do it. And I was like, oh, shoot, that was my fault. I should have immediately, when I heard him say that, I should, have, I should have gotten him help. So he had more tools in his toolbox to be able to support more kids in his class. Instead, I, acceler I, I actually um, put like saran wrap around his leadership lid. <laughs> I cupped them in even further because I didn't equip him to be able to do it differently. Now, I don't condone what he said, right? I, I, I don't think that was the best way to communicate that, but it is what it is. But for a long time, I kept that comment inside about, man, like he, he could have done better, but I never said I could have done better. Does that make sense? I should have done better.
So teach the teachers, such a critical, critical part. So if you're seeing them struggle, remember that, that, that they're, um, it was in the email that I sent, right? Was uh, as principals, we must recognize that unless we show teachers a better way, they will probably never even attempt a different instructional practice. So remember, they're all doing as best as they can and everybody will rise to their level of training. So, do we learn anything today? So make sure you put your action step down, what you're gonna work on for this week. And um, I would love to hear it, like what's maybe one good thing you may try this week? You can either put it in the chat box or open your mic up. And uh, Lindsay, you got something? I see you leaning in. If not, I'm calling on you anyway. So I'm just gonna. Hey, it's it, okay. I was leaning in to type it in a chat, but I'll just say I'm gonna make a list and um, inquire from the teachers what they believe their strengths are, what I think their strengths are. Maybe make a little spreadsheet to see if we think those things line up. And then the next time I need uh, someone to see that strength area, I'll have my notes there where I can send them to the correct person that is not myself because I definitely am not the uh, strong at some things. So that's what I was thinking. I love it. That's great. And uh, yeah, you could probably find some even like assessment to identify like what they think their strengths are because that's a really important part, right? What we think our strengths are and what they are don't always align and that was a big thing like I worked with a lot of principals they're like why well, should really do that I'm like well I know you think you should do it but are you the best at it at your school well no I said okay what do you hear do you hear what I'm saying like give it away it's okay it's okay for other people to look good right it's amazing what we can accomplish when we don't care who gets the credit so that's a perfect one I love that Lindsay and we got make a stop doing list in the chat box we got make a priority list in the chat box so Amanda, when you make your priority list, if there's 10 things on it, you're all, you need to prioritize the first two. Just do those two things. Everything else on your list, give it to someone else or stop doing it. Uh, make a stop doing list, work on strengths, stop doing lists and working on building influence. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, reach out if you need anything. I'm here. You can go to my website in the top right corner and just click schedule a quick call. And I'm happy to, you know, give you 15, 30 minutes of time and help you talk through any of your challenges. And if not, be safe, uh, wash your hands, do your best with social distancing as we all run back into school as we're all doing this week. And uh, you guys all make sure you take care of yourselves because uh, you're extremely important to the people that love you and the people that you care for. So, all right, take care everybody. Thanks, Thank see you, you next week.